Amen. All right. Junior church, you are dismissed. You can go back to the junior church classroom at this time. Workers, thank you very much for your service in the junior church. And thanks for everybody that's, again, the ensemble and the music and hanging around. Thank you for TV and ministry and internet and sound guys have been here since 7 o'clock this morning. Appreciate them so much. And Daniel, uh, third service he's been in this morning. He said it's the best sleep he's had in a long time, amen? Three naps in one Sunday, and I'm just kidding. I wouldn't blame him, though. This is the third time he's had to listen to me. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you will nap, and it's the first time. We know. So, Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. We can be the church. We can be the church. Hebrews chapter 12. You know, I think more now than ever, we must be the church. It's so important that we stay the course, keep serving, keep loving people, keep encouraging people, edifying people. I think uh, more now than ever, the world is looking for answers. And they may not think they can find them in Jesus Christ, but we know he's the answer. And so we must faithfully continue to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what's going on in our world, we must be faithful. And so I think Hebrews chapter 12 helps us to understand some perilous times and things that are going on in our society today that would help us be prepared to be the church, to be what we ought to be. And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, and let's read together in verse 1. The Bible says there, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Our Heavenly Father, (coughs) we come to you once again, Lord, into your throne room asking for your grace and your mercy. Lord, forgive us of our sins and cleanse our hearts of all unrighteousness. And Lord, in its place, we pray that you might fill us with your Holy Spirit. May the Spirit of God speak to each of our hearts today, move us and help us. Father, I surrender to you and ask especially that you might use me and fill me. Help me to speak those things which you would lay upon my heart. Lord, the danger, I suppose, of preaching the same message for the third time this morning is perhaps to lose some passion. I pray that would not be the case, for we have the same word of God. We have the same Christ. We have the same mission. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd give the same passion to the message. Father, we just commit all this into your hands. Bless our young people back in the junior church time. We pray that you'd help Linda as she teaches and Rowan and as she helps her. Thank you for those workers that patiently work with children each and every week. Lord, I pray that they would raise up our next generation. So, Father, bless us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> would, you, would you look at verse 3 with me for a moment? 
In verse 3, the apostle is warning us a little bit here, I believe, of perhaps a condition that we can all fall prey to once in a while. The Bible says in verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Listen to this. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And we might use the word weary a little bit today. I don't know that uh, it's something that we might say we're tired. Sometimes I, I, I know what I'll say to my wife, she'll say to me or ask me, are, are you tired? I'll be sitting in my chair at home after Sunday morning, you know, are you tired? And I'll say, no, I'm not tired, but I'm weary. I think the difference is, is maybe I'm not sleepy. I'm not going to go to sleep right now, but my body tells me that I need to rest. Just relax for a little bit and let the muscles regenerate. And, and so we use the word weary once in a while, but we don't often use the word faint, do we? At least not in this sense. If you uh, weren't feeling well, you might faint or you might feel faint. But this word faint means to, to fall away, to, to become weakened in our minds. And we, we may not use these words in this sense to become weary and faint. And he's warning us, he says, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. But I, I think maybe I can put it in some words you will understand. Have you ever said, I'm feeling sick and tired? That's kind of more like, well, how we would say it, isn't it? I'm just sick and tired. How many of you are sick and tired of everything that's going on around us today? We're weary. We're faint at times. We wish we could just walk into, I went into a store the other day and I bought some groceries and I needed to buy something else and I picked it up and they said, oh, you can't buy that. Well, I've already touched it. I've contaminated it. But no, you can't, you can't buy that. And I understand they want you in and out as quick as you can, and so they limit some things and whatever. But we're sick and tired of it all. The Bible says, I want to warn you about that. Be careful. But more importantly, I believe the apostle is trying to tell us we need to keep running the race. Don't become weary and faint from those things that you ought to be doing. Those things that are crucial to the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those things that will encourage and help the church. And, and so I want to preach to you this morning, if the Lord will let me, that we can be the church. That we don't need to get so distracted and dissuaded from the job that God has set before us. But we must keep our eyes forward, ever looking to Jesus, that we might complete the task at hand. I want you to notice in the scripture this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, we have a few things that I believe would help us. And I want you to notice, first of all, we have a predetermined course, a predetermined course. The Bible says in verse one, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. Look at that last little bit, the race that is set before us. The race has been chosen. It is laid out before you. God has a predetermined course for your life. And that helps us understand that God has a plan for us when he has put us on this predetermined course. Jesus, let, me, let me help you understand something if you could. Do you, do you know that before we ever went through 2020 and now 2021, God already had it on his calendar? Did you know that? God already knew that all this was going to take place. God is omniscient. He is sovereign. He already knew that we would go through a pandemic and he knew that there would be massive shutdowns and he knew that there would be protesting and he knew that there would be division among God's people as a result. 
Could I encourage you not to follow after the devil in this? For he would divide a church if he could. But I said we must understand that God has a plan. And he set before us a predetermined course. And he knew that in this course that, that there would be things that would cause us to trip. But let us take heart in this, this fact. Psalm 37 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Listen, as we look at what is going on around us in this course that we are running, there are four things we see in Scripture that would hinder us. We notice, first of all, that we, we see, first of all, the complications of sin. The complications of sin. The Bible says <clears throat> in, in verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us. Listen, friends, if we are not behaving as the church of Jesus Christ, if we are not doing the mission that God has given us to do, if we are not running this race that God has set before us, it is not because of a pandemic. It's not because of restrictions. It's because of sin. It's because we are not doing what we should be doing individually. We are part of a body that makes up a whole. And each part must do his. So we see the complications of sin, but we also see the contradiction of sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ also came to this earth and he ran this race. And the Bible says in verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. Listen, it ought to be no secret to the believer this morning that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible also teaches us that those that Satan uses are against us. There are enemies of the cross of Christ. That doesn't mean that we're allowed to get off our course. That doesn't mean we're allowed to stray. We must stay on that course. There's a predetermined course and it has a purpose in our lives. We also see for the Lord Jesus Christ, he knew of the complications of sin and the contradiction of sinners, but he also knew of the cross of suffering. The Bible says he endured the cross. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. He knew of the cloak of shame. I'm just here to tell you that Jesus had a plan in his life that was set there by Almighty God. And Jesus fulfilled that plan perfectly, even though everything was against him. I'm saying I understand there's some things against us as well. But what it all comes down to is this. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. We must faithfully run the race. God has said it before us. Well, the Bible also tells us that if we're going to run this race, we need to be a prepared congregation. A prepared congregation. You know, I remember as a boy, Pastor Strachan preaching often, I'm, I'm talking 40 years ago, and, and reminding this church, we may not always have this freedom. We may not always have the ability to Get up and pray, say, thus saith the Lord, and preach about the blood of Christ. He says, oh, we'll do it, but they won't like it. There will come a time where they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. But it's then that we must be instant in season and out of season, preaching the word of God. I remember my pastor talking about those things, saying perilous times shall come, and that evil men shall wax worse and worse, and warning this church, hey, the day is coming. He was preparing us for this day. And you say, oh, is, is this the day he's talking about? I don't know. But I do know this, it will get worse. 
evildoers and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. I mean, the Bible goes on and on about these perilous last days, and we know that we must be a prepared congregation. And so how do we prepare ourselves to be the church? Notice what he says in in verse 1. He says this. He says, let us lay aside every weight. First of all, I would say this. We must remove that which slows us. Remove that which slows us. What, What is hindering us from doing the work of God? A friend of ours by the name of Moses Cheserick, is a long-distance runner. He's, he's not anymore. He's, he's, I suppose he's probably 40 years old now. But we knew him when he was in his 20s and into his early 30s. And he was a refugee from Kenya. He, he escaped from there, some political turmoil. His brother was a politician and got into all kinds of issues. And so he had to escape. And his, his wife was still over there with his children, but he had to escape for his life. And Ended up in our church, and quite by accident, we, we say accident, I say providence. And uh, he had called to, to go to some church in Hamilton, and a lady from our church pulled over to pick somebody up for church at, from his apartment building, and he jumped in her car and scared her to death. Didn't know who he was. And he says, aren't you my ride to church? And she says, well, I'm going to church if you want to go. And he goes, sure. And so came to church and, and never left. Praise the Lord. And uh, just a sweet-spirited fellow, great family. He was a long-distance runner. And I, I didn't know what that meant necessarily. I knew he liked to run a marathon once in a while. And, and I just thought it was kind of a casual thing. And he would run, he would go running intervals. He'd run seven kilometers, then he'd run five kilometers the next night, then he'd run nine, then he'd run three. And he just, he was doing this all the time. And I, I thought he was crazy. And so one day, my wife and I, I think it was our anniversary or something, we went over to the United States, and we were just staying in Buffalo, Niagara area, and uh, we had to go to Cracker Barrel, amen? And so we went over there, and we were just enjoying it, and we got up in the morning, and uh, we picked up a newspaper that was in the motel, and there was Moses on the front page of the Buffalo newspaper. I thought, well, that's odd, and I began to read it, and he had won the Buffalo, Niagara Marathon. I thought, wow. So I took that home to him, I said, Moses... I said, you didn't tell me about this. He goes, oh, yeah, that was last week. And I said, so I knew you liked to run marathons. I didn't know you won the things. He says, oh, I have to. I said, what do you mean you have to? He says, well, that's how I support my family in Kenya. He says, I have to win to get enough prize money to support them. He says, I, when I came here, I was a refugee, and I, he says, I couldn't work for a little while, and he says, I'm finally working, he's working at Walmart, and he says, but that's not really enough to support me here and plus send money back home, so he says, I have to win. So I said, well, tell me more about it. He says, well, I can only run two marathons a year. He says, if I run uh, more than that, he says, it'll, it'll kill my time, and he says, I'll, I said, so if you ran and then ran, <coughs> excuse me, four months later, he says, I'd lose two or three minutes off my time, and I would lose, and I can't afford to lose. So I said, what other marathons are you going to? He said, well, I go to Bermuda every year, and I've won the Bermuda Marathon the last five years. Their national race. And I said, wow. And so I asked him, I said, have you ever been in the Boston Marathon, the New York Marathon? Those are the ones we think about, right? He said, no. He says, because in New York, I'd finish second, and in Boston, I'd finish third. And I said, how do you know that? He says, well, he says, I know the top five runners in the world, and he says, I know what races they go in. And he says, I can't afford to finish second. He says, I have to win to make enough money to support my family. Amazing. 
And so he would train for races. He would sometimes wear ankle weights and sometimes he'd wear them around his wrists and he'd exercise his core muscles and he, he would train for this race. As a matter of fact, he was so disciplined. He said the last month before a race, I have to be very careful about I measure all my food and my water and everything, how much I put in my body. He says the last week before the race, I don't even use toothpaste. He says I brush my teeth with lemon juice. He says, because the amount of salt in toothpaste would cause me to retain a little bit of water and I might lose 30 seconds on the race. We're talking about a two and a half hour race. Seven hours if I ran it. Well, ran, let's be honest. I don't even like driving 26 miles. Incredible, the sacrifice. But he says, I have to lay aside every weight. I can't even have an extra teaspoon of water in my body. I have to time it perfectly if I'm going to win that race and take care of my... That puts a whole new spin when it becomes life and death. Can I tell you the race we're in is life and death? There are souls in the balance. He said, we need to lay aside some weights. When I, when I think of weights in the Bible, I, 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 I thought of a few. One, I thought about we need to get rid of the clamor that distracts us. The clamor that distracts us. There's a lot of noise in this world. There's a lot of dissenting voices. Where's our focus? Jesus said in this passage, or Paul said in this passage, looking unto who? Jesus. We have so many things that pull us in different directions and so many voices. I remember as a young preacher, I had a, a guest speaker in to do some revival meetings for us. And I, I really appreciated every time we'd go and I'd, I'd talk to him and I'd ask him questions. And he'd say, can I show you what it says in the Bible? I really appreciated that. He didn't say, let me give you my opinion. Let me tell you about uh, Baptist distinctives. Or let me tell you about what I learned in Bible college. He said, let me show you what the Bible says. That is our only rule for faith and practice. And we get so distracted by so many other voices. Let me remind you, God set this course. He knows what's going on. Maybe we ought to look here for the answers. Then I thought about not just clamor, but what about childishness? That which disables us. Do you know when you remain a child, you're not able to do things that an adult can do? We ought to grow. We ought to strengthen each and every day. Paul said this, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In our 8.30 service this morning, we had Brother Farrier. I have a lot of respect for Brother Farrier. Just a sweet-spirited man. He's 91 years old. Do you know when he was 18 years old, he went off to Korea to fight? And today, unfortunately, we have 30-year-olds that leave their wife and their children at home and go to a neighbor's house and play video games. It always gets quiet when I say that. Paul says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen, when my kids were little, my boys were little, they said, Dad, let's go play a baseball game on the... That's different, spending time with your family. But guys, men, when you, when you became a husband, that means you have a wife. That means you spend some time with her. You're not running around partying with the guys anymore. We wonder why we don't have revival. We, have, we need men. We need some young people to grow up and say, I'll take responsibility. I'm going to put away some childish things. And, and listen, not everything is wrong in and of itself, but when we allow it to take our time away from our family and from our God, 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I didn't make it to church because I was, you know, I was just fooling around. It doesn't cut it. I'd love to serve the Lord more, but you know, I, I don't want to give up this or that or the other. Listen, Jesus Christ sacrificed. He endured the cross and he suffered the shame. And the Bible says we ought to consider him. Who are we looking to? And then we need to be careful about our company, those who discourage us. I'm talking about the removal of, of that which slows us down. Uh, uh, company, Paul often spoke, if you go to the end of his epistles, you will find many times where he says, pray for this person and pray for this person. They meant to do me harm and the Lord reward them according to their labors. And, and he was discouraged at times by how others treated him, but he had to leave it behind and press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. Where's our focus? We need to be done with those weights. But then also, we need to repent of that which stops us. Notice he doesn't just talk about weight, he talks about sin. He says, uh, we need to let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Listen, weights are a discipline problem. Weights are a discipline problem. My friend Moses understood what it was to live a disciplined life so that he could win a race and provide for his family. Sin is a spiritual problem. We need both. We need to have discipline in our lives, but we need to also have a spiritual walk with God, walking in the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, surrendered to the will of God, living for Christ. We need to lay outside the sin, keep a short account with God. So how do we be the church? Understand God has a plan. It is a predetermined course, but we must be a prepared congregation. But thirdly, I want you to notice we need to be a patient church. He says, let us run, verse 1, let us run with what? Patience. With patience. I think if I go back to my friend Moses, I can explain that word a little better. After I knew Moses for a little bit and understood how important running was to him, one Sunday morning, it was a beautiful morning, and we were outside kind of before church, our parking lot, and, and just kind of fellowshipping outside the doors in, in Hamilton. And before we went into the church, and people were talking, we were greeting one another and having a good time. And I noticed that Moses was over standing on the sidewalk, and he was kind of looking down the street. So Honora said, Moses, you waiting on somebody? I thought he was having a visitor come or something. He says, no, he says, today is the Around the Bay Road Race. Some of you know the Around the Bay Road Race in Hamilton. And uh, he says... They're going to be coming down the road here pretty soon. And they did that, always loved to do it on Sunday so they could block our parking lot off and not let us go to church. But we just started early, amen? And then I just preached longer until it was over. Praise the Lord. And so we just, we just had a little bit longer service that day. Anyway, I said, so I said, do you know somebody in the race? He goes, yeah. He says, I'm, I'm out here to kind of just, it'll be, he says, he'll be in first place when he comes by, so I won't be long, Pastor. I'll be in in a minute. I said, he'll be in first place. He says, yeah. He says, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be in first place by then. He says, this is about mile five, he says. So he says, he should be in first place by now. And sure enough, there they come around the corner, and there he was, his friend. And he's waving to him, cheering him on. And then I said, right behind him, there's two or three more. And I said, oh, I said, he's in first place, but not by much. He said, oh, no, that's, this is perfect. He says, probably at mile one, he was in about 50th place. He says, by mile three, he probably was in about 20th place. 
He says, but I figured about mile five, he'd be in first place. They're probably kilometers, actually. And I said, really? He says, oh, yeah. He says, you see, there'll be 50, 60 runners that think that they can get out in front and hold it. And he says, they'll go as hard as they can. He says, they'll get right out there, but they'll burn out. And he says, then there'll be others that'll kind of try to pace themselves, but they don't understand what pacing is. And he says, so they'll just, they'll, they'll, go, they'll keep up for a little while, then they'll fall off. He says, as a matter of fact, by the time he gets to the end of the 20 miles, he says, he'll be about a mile ahead of everybody. I said, really? He says, yes, he's, a, he's an experienced runner. He says, he has learned how to pace himself. He's running with endurance in mind. That's what this word patience means. Running with endurance. You know, so many people jump in and they, they burn out real quick. Paul says, I want you to run with endurance. Do you know in order to run with endurance, you have to have some training. Take some discipleship, some growth, some undergirding in your life. And so we must be in the word of God. He says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And if we're going to be a patient church, an enduring church, we need to be reminded of some things that never change. Listen, we have no excuse not to be the church. Well, uh, the world is against, hey, the world's always been against us. Did you know that? Always. He said, well, you know, the government, who cares? We're to be the church. There's no qualifications in the Bible that say, well, I want you to behave like the body of Christ unless there's a pandemic, unless there's government opposition, unless there's a shutdown or a lockdown. No, we are called to be the body of Christ. We are to be a patient church, and we can, we can be if we're reminded of this. He is faithful in his purpose. The Bible says this race was set before us. God has a plan. He said, what is that plan? He wants you to get to the finish line. He wants you to finish. He wants you to have his joy in your life. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants his body to grow. We need to be hidden behind the cross of Jesus Christ because he is faithful and we can trust him. But we must also be faithful in our pursuit. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Let me ask you this. What did you come here this morning looking for? A lot of times we come to church just to catch up on gossip. We come to check out the latest fashions with everybody else. You say, well, I came for fellowship. Fellowship's a Bible principle. That's good. But that's not the main reason we came here. Well, I came here to hear the music. That, that doesn't work if the song's not the one you like. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. I remember years ago when I first started the ministry, Pastor Massacre was the name of the pastor. And some of you know Jeff and Judy's uncle. And uh, what a name, Massacre, for a preacher, eh? And somebody mistook it and thought my name was Fury, F-U-R-Y. They said, Massacre and Fury, what kind of church is this? He would pick the hymns, and I would tease him. i said, what, were you born in 1830? One of these old songs. I tell you, as I grew a little bit and became a pastor, some of those old hymns, the doctrine, really became near to my heart. I remember one of the darkest points in ministry, six, seven years ago, driving my car, and this song came into my heart. 
And I sang it and sang it and sang it. Though the angry surges roll. I can hardly hardly think about it without thinking about the grace of God. I love that. And it holds. My anchor holds. Blow your wildest. I always put the word Satan in there. Blow your wildest, devil. Because my anchor holds. And it shall not fail. Sometimes we we sing an old hymn and, oh, it was boring. Service was boring. We got boring music. Can I tell you this? You're looking for the wrong thing. When we go to church, we ought to be looking unto Jesus. That's who we came to see. That's who we came to honor and to worship. He is faithful in his purpose, and we ought to be faithful in our pursuit. And then we must be faithful in our perseverance, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. Keep going. Keep serving. Keep trusting. You say, well, but I'm weary and faint in my mind. You know that word is used in another part of the Bible? It says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Same two words, weary and faint. He said, but you'll reap if you keep going. Persevere. Be faithful. You say, why? What is our motivating factor? We have a preeminent Christ. Preeminent means the one and only. He's not prominent. He's not the one among many. He's not one of many gods. He is God. He is the one and only God. Verse 3 reminds us, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. May I remind you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ laid aside the glories of heaven and he put on flesh to walk among us. He understands what it is to have a prescribed course and he understands what it is when, when the world is against you and people are mocking you and there are scorners against you. Jesus understands it all. And, and, and he said this, I have no greater joy. He says, who for the joy that was set before him in the cross despising the shame and then we see there's no greater journey he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God why are we doing this why should we be the church why should we love people why should we encourage people why is it important even today because you have a savior that did it for you one of the greatest examples I can remember in the Bible of somebody looking to Jesus And finding the kind of strength he needed to persevere was Stephen. Stephen was held, pulled before the council of the Pharisees. And they had already determined they were going to kill him. They already knew. And so when you have a death sentence, you might as well preach a long time. So he started in Genesis. And he began to tell them about God and his redemption plan. And by the time he got to the New Testament... He could see that it was falling on deaf ears. And so he said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, ye do always resist the Holy One. Boy, that didn't impress him. So the Bible says they ran upon him and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They bit him. It's like a kindergarten playground. They started biting on him. Then the Bible says they took up stones and they began to stone him. And you'll never see in the Bible where Stephen says, it's not fair. 
You'll never see in the Bible where he cries out in pain for a stone hitting him. But in the Bible, you see him say, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And I can almost hear Jesus saying, look unto me. Look unto me. Don't don't look at them. Don't listen. Don't worry about the stones. They'll be over in a minute. Hold on, Stephen. I'm bringing you home. We'd be able to tune out so much more clamor and all the things of this world if we could just keep our eyes on Jesus. If we could look to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Folks, we have a mission to be the church. That's who we're supposed to be. And we're not supposed to take a time off just because the government says so. We still, more than ever, folks need your encouragement and your love. And I'm, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about among our congregation. There's a lost and dying world that needs to hear about Jesus. We were thrilled last night. We heard from our son Austin and him and another boy went out and five Five people got saved. Five or six? Five got saved. Including a young lady that he said was just weeping and weeping and crying out to Jesus. Pandemic or not, Christ still wants to save people. We must be the church. But we can only do it if we're looking unto Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love you. Help us to keep our focus. Help us to be the church. Help us to serve you with love and joy and thanksgiving. Lord, we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Could I encourage you right now? Pray for our church. Pray for the brethren. That we might be what God wants us to be. Maybe there's somebody here today say, I just need to quit making excuses. And serve the Lord. So well, I, I didn't like what happened in church. It wasn't about you. It was about the Lord. It's about sharing the gospel. What are you looking for?